SC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get hit? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portal from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both big pencils. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back, and the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. <laughs> I'm still kind of laughing over a grand slam and three bunt hits in a game, huh? Yeah. Bazana, I just talked to my old high school coach. That's uh, that's something you don't see very often. No, and Tommy Tom Phipps, Coach Phipps, did I call him Tommy? <laughs> Sorry, Coach. I almost called my <laughs> high school coach Tommy. He's gonna make you run. I know, and I'm seeing him next week down at the Pac-12 tournament. He lives down uh, in Arizona, down in the Valley of the Sun, where the Beavers <laughs> will go next week in the Pac-12 tournament. Well, would they be seated? Will they host? I think hosting is still on the table, Doc. You think I do. So? I do. I know something. Oh no! And for those of you who've done the research, call us now or text us. We have essentially open phones all day, and not not out of. We would love to have Grace Featherstone on, or somebody. Mm -hmm. the, the women's golf team is having a send-off party today. Mm, that reminds me. That is so good, and so cool. Grace Featherstone winning two Pac-12 championships. Oh my. Gosh, yeah. we were all on the bus coming back from our own event yesterday, that event being a baseball game at Jackie Robinson Stadium. And just saying, wow, did you see this? Are you unbelievable? <laughs> so great for Grace, and we've reached out and would love to have her on. Louis Quintana perhaps tomorrow. But what a tremendous showing by the Oregon State track and field team at the Pac-12 championships down in the chilly Southland. <laughs> So we hope to visit with Grace, if not today, maybe tomorrow. We could wait it tomorrow, but in the meantime, we're glad to be here. And we've had a lot of guests. We're coming down the stretch of the Joe Beaver Show for the 2022-2023 campaign. And while I've made an effort and was texting different people to try to line up guests for today, haven't heard anything yet. In a very real sense, too, athletes on Mondays when they've competed on Sundays technically have, quote, the day. I mean, they're supposed to have the day completely off from any kind of media responsibilities or other things, uh, save for classes, of course, but have the days off for other extra stuff. And that would include media uh, appearances, interviews, et cetera. So we may not have anyone today. But in the meantime, we covet your participation on whatever it is you want to talk about. And since I know we're all kind of together and immersed in this baseball stuff, if you want to reflect on the three games in, in Jackie Robinson Stadium, uh, the nature of those games, my coach called me this morning, Coach Tom Phipps, not Tommy, 
when Coach Phipps called me, <laughs> and he just wanted to. He said, wow, he was effusive about yesterday's game. He said, yesterday's game was awesome. To beat them 21-5, to five, I, and this is a guy, you know, 72, 73 years of age, played for Ralph, played, recruited by Jimmy, played for Paul, uh, and then Ralph, and a uh, player for Ralph in Ralph's first two seasons, won the Slats Gill Award uh, in one of his years because no, and that was the award given to the person who hustled and played the hardest. And I well believe it. Nobody more intense than that man. That's why I shudder to think he might might get back to me. You know, your old guard called you Tommy. Oh my gosh, I am <laughs> going to see him next week, and there could be heck to pay. But he just went on, and I said that second baseman here is a bazaar. You know, he wasn't quite sure. Bazina. Yeah, he said, wow, what a player he And he just, all he could do, my my old high school coach, whom I've known and loved all these years, didn't always love him when he was making us run yeah. everywhere and yeah. all the time and do defensive slide drill for 45 minutes. Didn't really love him then, but grateful to him for his place in my life. And he's been a friend for many years. He just was going, he said, now who's that uh, that freshman pitcher that uh, and what about that guy that came in and struck out the, the jack on that left-handed hitter, three fastballs? I mean, he just, this was a fan yeah. of Beaver baseball watching the games and had questions for me, but all of the questions were just sort of wrapped in this, wow, I love it. I can hardly wait to the tournament. I'm looking forward to seeing you down That's here. That's a fun time. Et cetera. That's a fun yes, time it and is. a fun position to be in, especially if you're on your end of it and you get to, well, here's what they yeah, did. This right. is, you know, this is what we're going to do. And all of that. I love that. Absolutely love it. By the way, the weekend resulted in a number 10 ranking in D1Baseball.com. Which hated us at the beginning of the year. Refused (laughs) to have the Beavers in. And they were looking right when it was a 1-5 and team in in conference play. And and things weren't going so well. But um, I'll tell you what. They they come around. This is one of those impromptu things where we don't have to go through a handler. Johnny, could you see what Aaron fit? You have a you have a close relationship with him through the years. Yeah. D1baseball.com. Next hour, maybe, just if his... I mean, guys like this are in demand this time of year. He may not be able right. to just say, hey, because he almost always says yes to our requests. But I would be interested in somebody looking at the Beavers' prospects of hosting is sort of what I'm mm-hmm. hoping to get a feel for what he feels that threshold is, whether they maybe have already met it in his mind and thinks the committee might view it that way too. The Beavers, the RPI isn't the end all. And I'm not sure where, I haven't even looked at it today. I got home at 3.30 in the morning. I've been dealing with other things since getting back. Very tired, almost rummy, but excited about what we saw unfold over the last two days. Two weekends in a row, the Beavers have lost Friday games and come back to win the series. That's not an easy thing to do, but somebody could stop and say, okay, therein is the rub. You lost the Friday games. And those Friday losses, first to Utah, then to UCLA, I've had some people say, yeah, that's, uh, that's really going to hurt when it comes to hosting. Those, yeah, yeah I, I get that. But, but I also think the way the Beavers are playing, the fact that they have won seven of their last eight Pac-12 series, after that rough start, playing really good baseball and a lot of things coming together, I I don't want to just, because they lost those openers two weeks in a row, say, ah, see, they lost their openers two weeks in a row. They're out. They're out of consideration as a host. 
some people are telling me that they're really the, the case is is not a strong one to host. Well, if they take care of business this week, don't stumble too badly, win all four, go three and one. That would all be okay too. Winning all four this week, I'm not sure is absolutely necessary, or even winning the Pac-12 tournament. Some people say you're going to have to win all four, win the Pac-12 tournament, then you might host. And I feel like if you do all of that, you're absolutely going to host. But I'm just wondering, at this point, those of you who may spend a lot of time on sites and opinions and what the various publications are saying, if you'd like to share your thoughts about that, or just let that work itself out and share your thoughts about the team, about the games this weekend, the calls, the umpiring, uh, J.B. Long and Ben Francisco, how were they? Were you down there in Los Angeles? Many were. It was such a fun atmosphere to be around Beaver Nation over the weekend. We'd love to hear from you. 497-5356-497-5356. That's the Downward Dog phone line. It's also the University Honda text line. 27 on the Warren Nolan RPI. Okay. 27. That's good. That's right in the wheelhouse to host. I don't know what it was last week, but... uh... I think it was 31. I think they got as high as 24, dropped back to 31, and now but, have moved up to 27. And many again. say that if they were to go 4 and 0 this week, that RPI would would, would, would drop, drop because it would get worse. of who you're playing. Yeah. I know, but that's why the RPI isn't the end all. Just because the RPI might drop because of who you're playing, and even if you beat them, the committee understands. Well, okay, well, they're not going to penalize the Beavers. Or going 4-0 and the RPI drop. And the RPI is a tool. It's just one of Okay. It's not the end all. They could they could drop down to 36 in the RPI and still host. It doesn't that doesn't preclude hosting. You could be 15 in the RPI and not host. I would personally think we'll go 4-0 and then win two games, and then it would be interesting to watch. As a possibility. Watch what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I oh, you mean the selection that, show? Right. And it, well, well, that and just see what happens. Anything less than that, and I would think, oh no, it'll just be where are we going? Yeah, the sites will be announced. I think the the Sunday a week from uh, yesterday, I believe the sites will be announced. Yeah, but I don't have all of that timing and all of that in front of me. Dave is on the line, and that means I hope a summation of many thoughts from Dave, which means. I think we should take a quick break right now. Let's do it. So, Dave, hang on. A man with all the time in the world, we hope. Dave, thank you for the call. Open phones for Dave and for anybody else who would like to jump in. Your thoughts about the baseball weekend. Grace Featherstone is double winning the steeplechase and the 5,000 at the Pac-12 championships. What a performance by her. We're hoping to visit with her again soon. Would love to hear from you. 497-5356-1240, Joe Radio. The question before we go to Dave is, the texter on the University Honda text line referencing porta-potties, a couple of things on that. How do they, I mean, was how do they know? It, it is true that the ballplayers, that's what they need to use during games at Jackie Robinson Stadium. That's a fact, but... The texture, how do you know that? And what Lee, I mean, how is it a, a question that you're posing today? Did, did it's Paul Rents? Oh, it is all rents. Oh, Paul Rents, eh? Oh, wait. A- ask that question yeah, about porta potties. Yeah, the guys having to use porta potties at UCLA? Question mark. 
crazy. Okay, Paul, please elaborate. Did you not How bring do you it up? Know? No, I've never brought it up. In 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 the many years I've gone uh, there, I've never brought it up. So I'm just wondering. Won. Well, Paul, it had to have been JB Long. Well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. After all, I mean, I've never said. Not only am I on a payphone. Not only am I. Do I have boxes covering my equipment in the rain with no canopy or shelter? Not only is Pat Casey getting jobbed on bad calls at first base. Not only the, Not only that. The guys have to use portable. I've never said that. So I'm just wondering, Paul, why you even know that's a thing. So please elaborate in the meantime, 497-5356. Having said that, I'm still going to miss the place, and I'm not sure I'll ever see it again. Yeah, no, I, I okay. understand. Let's go to Dave on the Downward Dog phone line. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, uh, three things, and, I, and my last, I, I know this is self-flattering and it's unseemly, but I think my last point, might be the best idea I've ever had to suggest on the show. Okay. So I'll just leave that as a teaser. So, um, Mike, uh, this is the kind of comment I don't really expect you to respond to, but again, it's just bringing the fans' perspective to things because you don't like comparing players in eras. But the but the infield defensive play and offensive power of Gernetti and Bazana is beginning to approach the Grenier Madrigal level of performance and beyond that i know i, I think we got one more year with travis Pizzano. please confirm yes that. i i think yes. i hope i no pray. we do uh, we do yes uh he's 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 going to be a top five uh major league uh, draft pick i mean the, he's got it, it, the, the on-field leadership the power the defensive ability uh he, he he's rapidly exceeding i think Nick Madrigal, and not as injury-prone as Nick was as well. So, again, I'm not expecting anyone to respond to that, but I just wanted to get that fan's perspective out. While you were on the road last week, Mike, I, I, uh, I got TJ, I quizzed TJ about if the season ended today, what does the conference uh, pool play uh, shape up? And, I, and I, again, I was working on some other stuff, didn't have the chance to do the research myself. But I'm curious to use the old, the late great Ken Coleman's if chart. This was a great broadcaster who did Ted Williams in the summer and Jim Brown, Cleveland Browns football in the fall. What a gig that was. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he famously during football season would have his if chart if the Giants win and the Steelers lose, what mm-hmm. do the Browns need to do? Mm-hmm. So it's, to me, it seems vital that Oregon State get the second in the conference because if they go one and one in pool play at things now stand and Stanford goes one and one in pool play uh, uh, Oregon State's not and Oregon State's not going to make it to the semifinals I could live with not going to the semifinals if they tie with with Stanford one and one in pool play Stanford's the higher seat mm-hmm. they go to the semifinals but of all teams gentlemen that would be hard to swallow. <laughs> yes. Would be Washington getting well, Oregon State going one and one in pool play and not qualifying uh, because they didn't win their pool, but Washington qualifies. So uh, uh, a little if chart analysis. Mm-hmm. What does it take with this weekend's play? Doesn't need sometime this week. Yes. What does it take for for Oregon State to get the second seed? Here's my last tip. I'm I, I'm kind of giddy at the thought of sharing this with you. I texted it to you, Mike, when you were going on one of your uh, riffs 
about the, the last time of UCLA. Now, of course, we get UCLA up here in baseball next year, but we also get them up here in football. October 14th, which gentleman, oh, I was yes. surprised to learn this, is the day of a solar eclipse ah. that, will include, yes. that will include Corvallis in its shadow. So I'm giving a shout-out to Sarah Elcano, Ashton Miller, everyone over there in Gill Coliseum. You need to be laying the groundwork now for uh, kind of an eclipse event up to and including getting college game day here in uh, here there in Corvallis on October 15th when during the broadcast the solar eclipse will begin there will have been nothing like it and my worst fear of course was that oh damn it Oregon might be home that day surely if they someone else got this idea <laughs> they'd go to Eugene but the Ducks play in Seattle that day so now there are other places in the path of the eclipse, but it goes through Nevada, it goes through uh, New Mexico, Texas. But I'm just saying this could be the coolest college football game day experience ever, both day of in Corvallis, but also in terms of a game day broadcast from somewhere in Corvallis. And it does need to be on the south-ish side of Corvallis, because if you look at the ecliptic, it looks as if where the hospital is in Corvallis is outside the path of the eclipse. So, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm just kind of giddy sharing this idea, propagating this idea. wonder what you guys think about it. I hope Sarah, again, Sarah Ashton, Scott Barnes, the whole crowd over there has got to start working on this now. This is a once-in-a-lifetime possibility, an eclipse during a college football game day Saturday in Corvallis. Well, Dave, I, you said you don't want to flatter yourself, but you should, because that is a just hearing it. And I saw your text. You know how it is, Dave, during games, and I'm grateful for the contributions, and I reference texts that come in. Yours was a little longer than I was able to digest in a 60-second break, if that makes any sense. And so I did see... I, I see I saw after the fact and was planning on writing you back. I knew we'd be talking soon this week. And thanking you for that, I wasn't aware. Is that what? This isn't a total eclipse, is it? In well, Corvallis, it's it's, it's it's called an annular eclipse. A total eclipse completely blocks out the sun. But this is total enough. You need to get a you need to get an astronomer on. Yeah, and hopefully someone over there you can easily track someone down. But uh, the, the the totality is a func- among the other functions is how close or away from the sun or the earth is the moon. And if the moon is closer to the sun, it doesn't, it doesn't result in a total eclipse where everything gets dark. Mm-hmm. But you can see, but it's even better. An annual eclipse is the ring of fire around the edge of the sun. In other words, the sun, is because it's a little bit closer, a little bit farther away from earth, if I, if I understand the, the astronomy here, a little bit closer to the sun than, you know, it's on an irregular orbit around the Earth. It results in an, it's called an annular eclipse. Not, not annual, not annual, but mm-hmm. annular, mm-hmm. not total. And so the ring of fire, if, okay. it, if, it, if, it, if the sun is out that morning when it rises, you'll see the, you'll see the ring of fire around the perimeter of the sun. I'm, I mean, can you, well, can you, Yes, I can. Do we? Do, do you already know the time 
the the time that this the eclipse will begin and its its path of time in terms of again trying to get college game day a game day on our campus to I mean what do you know the time? Yes, it starts late in the eight o'clock hour. Perfect. Yes, and and and, and I'm going to use the term totality, but that doesn't yeah. technically apply for reasons I've described. Totality starts at nine six nine fifteen. It's a two or three minute thing. Uh, uh, now the game wouldn't be on at that time. No, and nor would the show. Nor would the show. True, but, you know. it, but it will. But it will begin. Uh, yes, yes. While the show would be on, and it's still something they could they, they oh, could yeah. break to. But but this is what the Sarah Alcanos of the world are. That's what they're responsible for is making things like this happen. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. this is a cosmic uh, an event of literally. Cosmic proportion. True. I just, I just hope someone there in Corvallis can make the best of it. Well, it's a, it's a wonderful idea, Dave, and and discussions will ensue. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know, Sarah monitors the show on a fairly regular basis, so we may have a session with Sarah to talk about ecliptic events. Sarah would love for oh. game day to be here. It isn't, well, in, it's not, it's out of everybody's control, but ESPN. Yeah. But you can you can lobby for it. You can certainly lobby. Oh, it's a great idea, Dave. Thank you for well, it. Yeah, I lo- well, and thank you for thinking of it. Well, and and, and and there's other contributing reasons. UCLA's last visitors, that whole angle. Mm-hmm. If we get off to a good start, we win a lot of games early. Mm-hmm. UCLA's looks like they're going to have a, a good squad. Although they are straight breaking in, they're going to have a new quarterback for the first time in what seems like ten years. Um, uh, uh, Dorian Thompson mm-hmm. has been there forever, it seems. But anyway, I, I've, I've I've done the best to make my case. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to turn it over to you guys, someone in the astronomy department, athletic promotion. Let's make something big happen. Yeah, this is a a, a, a once in a century or yeah. more uh, astronomical event. Very good, very cool. Thank you, Dave, for that. Thanks for the call. Quick question. Yeah. I just thought of this while Dave was talking about this. If there was a an, an eclipse of whatever kind, any kind, that was right over Reeser Stadium during the middle of a game, <laughs> would they stop the game? Where uh, you could see the whole thing, clear night, it yeah. happens at night, something happens, something gets covered up, lunar mm-hmm. uh, or, or solar, I have no idea, and it's like, holy shnikes, look at that. I would imagine, yes, actually. I'm just wondering if they yeah. would. When we landed on the moon, I was at the Big A. You know, I, you know, the moon landing is going to be on TV. Let's go to the baseball game. <laughs> but how I viewed it July 20th, 1969. But when we landed, the game stopped for almost five minutes. Well, now that's a bigger deal than a, no. an eclipse. But yeah. True. But, yeah. you know, but the ball game's going on. I'm there on a, whatever, was that a Sunday afternoon, I think? Were, were ball players just standing there no, looking? Well, no, they, they put up on the screen and said, "Big, we have landed on the moon. Yeah. So, so you know, we all stood and applauded for minutes, and wow. the ball players were on the field applauding, and they tried to get some sort of image up on the screen. It didn't look very good, with yeah. the, but but that's a moment I'll never forget because I was at a ball game when we landed on the moon. Now yeah. this total eclipse or uh, annular eclipse, yeah, it, it would be incredible to to have that happen during yeah. the Beaver during event. The and this game. is about as close I think Dave is saying this is as close we're ever going to get. October the 14th when UCLA comes. And he was talking about 8 in the morning? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Harold before we take a break. But uh, thank you, Dave, for the uh, 
using your fertile mind to think up these uh, this uh, particular He's got great idea. Yeah, uh, Harold, thanks for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I watched all three games via the UCLA broadcast. Yeah, and I kind of like listening to their to the opposing announcer to see what they have to say about about the beeves. And kind of after Friday night, they they kind of were thinking maybe they might be able to sweep us. Mm-hmm. Sure. But after Saturday, you couldn't believe how they were raving about Travis Bizzongo. Mm-hmm. They called him a terrorist on the way to <laughs> UCLA, which I thought was really appropriate because he was. He just terrorized them. Yeah, in in a lot of different ways. It wasn't just one technique he yeah. used. No, it was everything. Yep. He, he'd come to the plate, and they didn't know what he was going to do. Yep. And and the the bunting that the Beavers put on a clinic yes. against UCLA, which was just hilarious. I loved it. Yeah, it was great to see. Glad I to see that I, the craft yeah. and the art of bunting is still alive and well, and the Beavers showed it this weekend. Beautiful, used it beautifully. Yeah, I just thought you'd... Kind of be interested to see how how the the, the announcers down there, JB and yeah. the other guy, were ranting and raving about how great Travis yeah. was. That's nice to hear. Those guys are good broadcasters. I visited with JB a little bit before each game. I like him a lot. I, I didn't hear any of their work, but glad to hear you enjoyed what they had to say. Thanks for the call, Harold. We appreciate that. We'll take a quick break. We'd love to hear from more of you either via the text line or. Uh, the University Honda text line, which is the same as the Downward Dog phone line, 497-5356. If we need to go quickly, we will. Okay, we'll take a quick one. But what I'm wondering, and I didn't mean to say we'll take a quick one and then reprise the conversation about porta-potties, but I, I will ask you if Paul, has anything come in? Has Paul added to yeah. why, why he's even bringing it up? Yeah. Okay, good. We'll get to that next, too. Thanks for joining us. On 1240 Joe Radio. I understand. I understand. (laughs) We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm sorry to have belabored how cold I was while everybody's up here in the sweltering heat (laughs) trying to survive. Every every pitch. Every pitch. You said like 53 or 54. I couldn't believe it. It was 55 at one point during one of the night games with a wind. 55 with a wind blowing through where we were sitting. And I was flat out cold. Absolutely. Sitting there for four, four and a half, five yes. hours, even if it's sixty degrees yes. in that, you, of course I mean, you would be so cold. Even yesterday afternoon, in the shade of the canopy, it was cold. And the porta potty thing, I guess, has been clarified. We're going to go to Tyler here Tyler, in a second. Yeah. So, a camera angle, the third base camera, ju- you could see guys going in and out of them. <laughs> Is that the idea? I guess I mean, so. I, <laughs> For Paul to bring it up and know it, he must have seen it, and some of you apparently on the text line have confirmed, yeah, you can see guys going in and out. So that's they don't, not J.B. Long and Ben Francisco saying, boy, look at the issues no, they have here. No, at uh, you No, know. it's just the camera happens to show. Okay. Now, is that the, the bullpen guys or the or the dugout guys? No, it's everybody. That's the what's <clears throat> available to the team. Yeah, There's no clubhouse. No, There's, they drive there like everyone on right. a bus and then get out and yeah. play a game in what would be a park somewhere. Right. Now they do have their hitting facility that that Travis Which hit was the home on a run, hit one on top of, and I was thinking back to Adley and McGarry. Adley and McGarry, um, 
But no, they they just you show up and they got you've got all your equipment and there's nothing there except for the dugout. Let's go to Tyler on the downward dog phone line. Would love to hear from any of you who watched all three games. Four nine seven five three five six. With respect to one pitch to Brady Casper, the two and one or one and two, which astonished me, utterly astonished me. Carl Mazdam says I have support and backing from J.B. Long and the television crew who put on their screen two and one, then had to scramble and jail. I guess the count is one and two. Oh. When, when Ryan Gibson was yelling, it's two and one, isn't it? When the home plate umpire inexplicably called a pitch up and and a strike to Brady Casper wasn't even close. And that just, I almost fell over. So the count's two and one, not one and two. Where did that other strike come from? Oh, they called that first pitch a strike? I mean, that's the when I learned the news. Would would be and Gippy was yelling, it counts two and one, right? Uh, no, it's one and two. And I, well, how did they get to one and two? <laughs> and then somebody said, well, the first pitch was a called strike. I said, no, that's not possible. <laughs> That's how I reacted to yeah. it. That's not possible. Wow. And yet it was. Wow. Let's go to Tyler on the Joe Beaver Show. Good morning, Tyler. Morning, Mike. It was good seeing you at Bodie earlier. <laughs> uh, but I I, uh, I think rarity um, uh, is something that makes something so special. And so I'll bring up two rarities and, um, and uh, it's, by, in way of risking, you know, unashamed flattery of you, um, you recognize me at Bodie, and uh, of the thousands of faces you have to recognize, um, you've always been able to recognize me and my brothers and well, family within town. So, Tyler, you are, thank uh, you. You guys have been great, wonderful souls and fans of the Beavers, and I remember you from my early days. And you, when you yeah. were a little one. Coming to the ball yeah. games, into the road shows, into <laughs> the coaches shows. So you've all, your family's always meant a lot to me, and thank you, Tyler, for was, that. And t- was that t- Tyler, are you like yeah. one of the family that came with all the blonde-haired kids? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good uh, description. It's a large family with a lot of blonde-haired yeah. kids. Yeah, I, I remember you. I remember all the shows yeah. you, your, your dad would bring you to, and you've got an older sister yeah. who's like the oldest. At least she was uh, the no, tallest. I've got an old, two older brothers who's older, but I do have an older sister. Yeah. So, uh, you know, oh, fun. But I, so the first road show I came to was actually at uh, the, the, the apartments in Southtown. Uh, my brother lived there at the time. You did a road show there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went there, and I won two football tickets to the Cincinnati game. Uh, we played them years back, and we lost on – they threw a screen. Uh, it should have been called a fumble. It wasn't. It was devastating to – a young Tyler, but <laughs> that was in 2009. Uh, so yes, a good memory. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so that's the first, it's just a rarity that somebody who has to recognize so many faces recognizes somebody who, uh, you know, doesn't contribute much other than being a fan. So I appreciate that. The other one is we were, <laughs> we were playing wiffle ball as a family on Sunday. And one of the brothers, uh, bunted in wiffle ball <laughs> as well as hit a home run. And so, <laughs> The legality of the bunt and wiffle ball was argued to uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to the nth degree, but uh, the fact that Bazana can do that, I believe he had three bunt base hits. Yes, in a he grand did. Slam. He yeah. did. So uh, to to be able to do that on a baseball field, uh, you know, this we're we're experiencing quite a rarity in, in Bazana, and we're, you yeah. know, we ought to. We ought to really appreciate that. I'm excited for next year. I really think that that kid could be a first rounder, if not follow in Adley's footsteps and go one one. So, 
Well, he's raising his stock considerably. We'll talk. Aaron Fitt's going to join us soon. We're not sure when we'll get his thoughts about that, perhaps amongst other things, and the possibility of hosting. Tyler, it is, it's been wonderful to have you guys and your family part of uh, our whole world together here in Corvallis and the Joe Beaver Show. And uh, hope to see you down the road. We've got a road show at the Corvallis Knights office. Speaking of road shows this Perfect. Friday, so stop by if you can between 11 and 1 and We'll rehash some old times at road shows and elsewhere. 11 to 1 Friday, the Corvallis Knights downtown office for a free lunch, tickets, prizes, lots of swag to give away. So hope to see you there this Friday, Tyler. Have a good day, Mike. Okay, thanks Thank a you lot. Very much. And you too, John. Thanks, thanks you Tyler. You know, I saw another young man, and I had to go, I had to dig a little deep. I asked you a minute ago, and you went Lee Corso on me. A young man came up to me during the 60s. <laughs> He has 60 seconds Yeah, on the Beaver Sports Network from Learfield. And by the way, are they still all being cut off all yeah, the time? Yeah, only the networks. We aren't. But the 1240 networks. Joe Radio gets it. Twelve. Oh, yeah, yeah, we get it on time. Anytime it gets cut off, I'm blaming the network. During those 60-second breaks, that's not enough. It's not enough to go use the porta potty down the hall. I mean, it's just, it's just not <laughs> down in the bullpen. It's not enough. 60 seconds. Just doesn't yeah. give you enough time really to do much of anything. Me to do a little business with Maurice Jones back in the studios yeah. and write in the final totals on your little scorecard, get the next advertiser sponsorship read out and ready to go. So, but during that, you know, all that activity, a young man walks over to me between innings, says, Hey Mike, how you doing? And I looked and it's one of those, I know this kid from somewhere. But <laughs> I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah. It wasn't Tyler, but I looked and I looked and I said, oh, you know, it's one of those, oh, hey, great, great to see you. You know, tell me what's going on. Hoping that, yeah. but 60 seconds, I can't go Socrates no. enough. You know, so ask all the questions, just keep leading. So is this a, a real person or an imagined thing? You know, and one question <laughs> after the other. And finally, asking all these questions will get you to where you want to be. Okay, okay. I only got 60 seconds. I don't have time to ask all those questions. So I tried Hey, what are you doing now? I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, where, and where are you living? In what part of the city? In Santa Monica. And he goes, yeah, I may be going back to Texas soon, though. And I'm going, okay. Let's <laughs> see. He lives in Santa enough. Monica now. Wasn't enough. He's loved, lived in Texas. Hey, hey great to see you. I got to get back on the air. Yeah. Uh, hey, you. Yeah, uh, hey, you. Know? you. I felt horrible there because I didn't say his name. <laughs> I know. But well, I knew, come on. I knew who he was, but it came to me today. I called Kim McLean, the former volleyball coach at Sandy Am Christian. I knew the kid had knew our kids yeah. at Sandy Am and all that. And at Kim McLean at Corbin now. And so I call Kim. I said, Hey, there's this blonde haired kid. I, I saw, and I think he went to Sandy Am and I think his name might be Otis, but that's his last name. Everybody called him Otis, though, by his last uh -huh. name. So Andrew Otis is the man. <laughs> but Kim McLean helped me find him, and I'm going to reach out to Andrew and say, hey, it's great to see you. Glad to uh, – anyway, those moments are difficult, as you know, and all of us experience them in life where somebody, hey, how you doing? And you just uh, – I, uh, I get it all What the do time. you do? I mean, I, I, just smile. I apologize. Say, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I use the the term "there you go" when I can't hear what they're saying. Somebody's just marveling. There you go, like in a parking lot yeah. or a store, and one's leaving. I'm I'm leaving. They sound like Charlie in. Brown's parents, and it's yeah. all. And I just I don't. It's almost like a Seinfeld episode. It's just oh, hey, there, <laughs> there you go. go. Now someday somebody's going to call. Well, I there know. I go. Like, what do you mean there you go? Yeah, okay. I'm gonna explain that. I'm going to so, say I don't know who you are. I'm sorry, <laughs> and I can't hear you. I can't. Why you think you're better than me? No, that's the doorman inside. 
Seinfeld. You exactly. think you're better than me, don't Exactly. You? What do you got? I just want to get to this okay. before we get to text, and that is in Corvallis, there was a quote-unquote significant crash on Philomath Boulevard at 53rd Street, so the road will be closed for about an hour. Mm. And this is just because I happened to, on my personal phone, I happened to sign up for Albany and Corvallis text. Okay. I think it's a really cool thing because... When fires happen, when road things happen, and they text, it, it's a you know a deal there. So if you're in Corvallis, crash on 53rd and Philomath, and that will be closed for a while. Now to our text, the University Hunted text line. Um, yeah, see, TJ just sent me that same thing because Paige got the text to tell everybody else about the crash. Phil Miller. Yes, hi, Phil. Uh, let's see. Come Phil. to the night's office, Phil. So February May 15th. Oh, here we go. An annual eclipse photo I took in 2012 near Susanville, California, because the sun isn't totally covered. You can only safely view it from proper eclipse protection. Corvallis will have about 90% coverage in October. I thought this was a, a picture. Look at this picture. I thought it was like, okay, that picture didn't work. Oh, right. Bad camera. It's just a ring. Right. In, in blackness. So that's, that's what actually, we're, we're going to get yeah. in, in October that's when the Bruins cool. are in town. Yeah, that's really cool. So uh, that's a great picture. Well, it's, if it begins during the... the it'll be you know, daytime, imagine, Well, yeah, it's 8 in the morning. I don't know what time this was, though. Yeah, I don't know either. But but the point being, game day, uh, Dave, Dave is on to something in terms of those guys would make it. They'll have astronomers on. Oh, yeah. They'll have OSU people on. They'll be talking about this. Every, event. It's a great showcase in so many ways. Every and then intro a football will be game Bonnie later. Raitt. Yeah. <laughs> Total eclipse of the sun. Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler. You're right. Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. And, there, and away we go, said Gary Anderson. And away we go. Yeah. Um, here's another question. If this is, is this Phil? Anyway, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Do you know if anyone in organized baseball has ever had three base hits via the bunt and a grand slam all in one game. I'm curious if Kip or any of the other historians mm-hmm. may have ever heard of that happening in the past. Oh, it's Scott and Tiger. Great Scott, question. it is a great question. And I asked Travis yesterday as we were waiting to get on the bus. And after the game yesterday, by the way, it was just wait and wait and wait with our flight scheduled for 9.15 out of LAX. And I, I think after the first two innings yesterday, which took about an hour and a half, I said, well, it's probably a good thing we got a 9.15 flight <laughs> because I thought a noon game with a 9 o'clock flight, eh, it's yeah. a little overkill. No, we, but the guys were able afterwards to go over to Poly Pavilion, use the Poly Pavilion shower facilities oh, nice. there since they don't have any at Jackie Robinson Stadium or real bathrooms. Mm-hmm. So we go over there. And while sitting there waiting for every, the last of the stragglers to come out, I sat down next to Travis, congratulated him on the game. I said, have you ever had three bunt hits in a game? He said, no, never two maybe, but never three. And then I said, three bunt hits and a grand slam? He laughed. He goes, no, never. And who else has? That is a great question. I know I've never seen it and probably never will see it again. And I don't even know how researchable that is. But I am asking... Kip, if you're listening, do you, there's no candidates. There's not enough candidates for that type of thing in our lives. Mm-hmm. That would be like saying Quan, the day Quan hit his grand slam against Cal, did he also have three bunt hits in the game? He might have had one, maybe even two, mm-hmm. possibly, mm-hmm. but not three. We'd know that. Yeah. yeah right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, Don, okay. Don from Corvallis and all the planning. 
goes down the drain when the clouds roll in. Of course, these are all. Well, he's right. You, you put that all together. Yeah. You get Sarah Elcano. You get Dave Day, 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 no, Day of course. and then it's cloudy. I know. But October, mid-October, your chances are pretty good, actually, of having yeah. an uncloudy day. Uh, I can hear an old hymn somewhere. Anyway, what else you got? Well, the longer these are, yeah. the harder for me to go through. Do we need to, are we taking no. this straight up, yeah, or do we, we need are. another we quick are. one? We have eight minutes. Okay, gotcha. Uh, if the Beavers win, I don't know who this is from. Mm-hmm. If the Beavers win all the remaining regular season games, and they all... Uh, and games, mm-hmm. they will have the best overall record in the conference by at least two games and 40 wins. Yes. You would think that should be favorable to the committee along with our tournament draw to fill the stands. Uh, well, Just one more no, I, good I know. argument I, for hosting. I think, and, and as you continue, we want to make sure we get the text in, but you said you saw something on Twitter that was in response to somebody at Added Aaron Fit. Like, where does this put the Beavers yeah. in terms? What do you got Let me on see that? If I can find yeah. It. Uh, we're going to make an effort to have Aaron on soon and maybe next week when I'm gone. And I'll be gone almost all of next week. Here's a tweet okay. by Aaron Fit. Okay. Oregon State pounds UCLA 21 to 5 to finish up Pac 12 play with an 18 and 12 record. In my mind, that should be good enough to host even with an RPI in the mid 20s, though not sure if the committee would agree or not. We'll see what happens to OSU's RPI after Western Carolina series. Okay, so he is putting, I hate, I don't like to see him putting weight on even looking at it because, in a sense, that's out of the Beavers' control. You you better not lose to those guys, is what it seems to me. And the problem with that is the New York, I don't know how good, bad Western Carolina is. I know nothing about them right now. Nothing. I mean, I'm telling you nothing other than their AD is Alex Gary. Nothing. So, is he someone we know? I know. Yeah, Alex used to be an associate AD here at at Oregon State. Pfeiffer is the one who was here. Yeah, well, he was here too. But this is Alex. I didn't Gary. know Alex. Yeah, Gary was. he wasn't here long enough. To, maybe to, to. But the fact that they both were with Pfeiffer more recently, this they they said right. let's do a series with Oregon State. It's possible. I, I don't. I'll get the whole before we get to Thursday. Yeah. I'll have more knowledge, yeah. and maybe we'll even get Alex on. He's in town already. We'll get Alex on to talk about all of this. So I suppose it could be said, well, it is in your control. You could have scheduled something. No, I'm not sure you can. I, this is what the Beavers, to fill out the 55-game schedule, somebody dropped or something happened, and they were left scrambling a little bit. And had I, I, I'll try to know the full story again by the time we get to Thursday. They're 21 and 29. Right. They're the Catamounts, by the way. Yes. 29, 21 and 29. They're 8 and 12 in conference. They are. And their RPI is probably in the 200s. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I, they play teams it, like uh, Radford. Nor, what's UNCG? Northern. I have no idea. Mercer. North Carolina something. I don't know. VMI. Yeah. Wofford. I, right. Char- College, but, Charleston, Gardner Webb. And yeah. with no disrespect. To, to them that 21 and 29 you remember an outfit by the name of new mexico state coming into goss stadium at coleman field in the regional last year at 24 and 32 and the beavers had to scramble yeah. and work like crazy to yeah. win that game against them i mean their pitcher was outstanding got a standing ovation coming off the diamond one of his great moments the chills kind of moment in his life that was just a year ago in hosting new mexico state eight under 
and nearly beat the Beavers. Baseball, Casey Stengel's New York Mets in 1962. Went, they lost 120 games, but they won 40. <laughs> they went 40 and 120. Still the worst season by percentage in baseball history. But I come back to, but they won 40. So as hapless as the amazing Mets were in 62, baseball is a funny, quirky enough game. You get a guy who pitches well, the ball bounces strangely. You can have bad days and lose to bad teams. You can and so it, this whole idea, well, you know, they, they'll go 4-0 this week. Portland's pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. And the games have been tough against them. You got them tomorrow night. So 4-0, I think you'd probably need to go 4-0 to not give the committee any idea. Oh, not only was no. there RPI here and they lose no. to this team. You can't. I don't want to give them any fodder or any reason to, to not put the Beavers in a path to host. But I also know baseball and respect the game enough to know that losing one of these four games is possible <laughs> because no matter how much, quote-unquote, better you may be on paper talent, the New York Mets won 40 in 1962. They won 40. That means they beat teams 40 times when they were not nearly as good as the teams they beat. So it happens. I mean, it, it does happen. Yes. So. What else we got? Anything else on the fan before we wrap up the first hour? Uh, oh, yeah. We've got a couple. Okay. That just a lot came in. Okay. Here's one from Kip. Okay, Kip. Uh, this is on the three bunts and Grand Slam. This is interesting. Okay. Kip reminds me of the, the kid with glasses in, uh, uh, you know, the Walter Matthau movie. The Bad News Bad Bears. Bad News Bears. Uh, and that's a, that's a term of endearment, by the yes. way. Yes. Not every scorecard, he writes, will denote a single was a bunt. Mm-hmm. So it could be really tough to find yes. out if it's ever happened. Right. Now, why is that? <clears throat> well. Oh, just because just of decision. That, well, yes, but, but like Kip says, many scorecards, and, 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 and I don't know how they're denoted these days, Kip, even. An official <laughs> scorecard today, I know you say bunt, I say bunt. I can go back through my stuff and say bunt single here. Or Nick Madrigal or Stephen Kwan or Andy Peterson. Yeah, I've got bunt written in. But I think Kip's saying that in the history of of score sheets for games, it might just say single, you know, or mm. single four, oh, single yeah. three, yeah. and not not, not, not denote that it's a bunt. Right. That make that makes yeah. perfect sense. TJ from the other room listening in says, while it's pretty hard to find any solid stat on bunt base hits based on initial research, I would say it's likely. Uh, it's likely Mickey Mantle bunted for a hit and hit a, ro- uh, hit a home run in a World Series game, mostly because he has the most home runs in the World Series, 18, and bunted for seven hits. So he's surmising that that's possible, maybe even probable. Well, good work, TJ. Bunted for seven hits in his World Series career and hit 18 homers. So, yeah, yeah the two might have come together yeah, in right, one right. day. But he ain't no Bazana. He didn't get it three bunt hits in a home run or a grand slam <laughs> oh, no. for that. He's just Mickey Mantle. He's just Mickey Mantle, number seven, 18. But he got into a lot more games than most. Bobby Brown hit 439 in 17 World Series games, a former Bruin, an hour to go. They're coming from everywhere. Seems to be a great deal of traffic here for Country Road and Sink. Corvallis, Oregon. To see the total eclipse of the sun.
Mike McIntyre and the Buffaloes are coming, amongst many others. He's a big, great deal of traffic here for country road, I think. Sight worth seeing. I know how you must feel. Yes, but not everyone's on board. And look at that sky. You look at it. But for everyone else, excitement is sky high for life in Corvallis. Skysar is amazing. There seems to be a lot happening in it all the time. If it's happening, you'll hear about it on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm expecting something special from there. Keep your eyes skinned. I want reports. Oh, you'll get reports all right. The best reports on the Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. Nothing I can say, total eclipse of the heart. And away we go with the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. We just had to pull that one out of the old archives. Total eclipse of the sun, I guess. That's going to happen on the day of the Beaver's what does he say, October 14th, and uh, the weather should be nice. That's the time of the year when the weather is nice. It's usually nice. It is. No guarantee. I mean, heck, we opened the season against eastern Washington. In the rain. In uh, September of 1999, or 2000, I should say, and it was a miserable day. So I also no, remember no guarantees. opening the season, or it was one of the early games, but uh, Dougie and I were in Parker Plaza, so it had to have been either two, 2000. Nine, uh, 2000 against Arizona State, it was like 110 degrees. <laughs> Remember that? It was, 19, yeah, that was the 2003 season. Was it and three? I remember that that day going to soccer fields over by the school district, Corvallis district offices yeah. over there. Paul Christ and his children were playing soccer, as were mine. We both had, you know, had the night game that night. Yeah. And Chris, I remember standing and talking to Paul a little bit with a game coming up that night, but he's there watching his kids play as we were. Uh, and I remember how both we were just sweltering. Hot. It was it was very hot. And it was hot at game time and hot throughout the game. And one of the Beavers' best wins of that uh, era, yeah, that's that true. time, the 45-17, I believe, was the final go Beavers. That was a good time. All right, we continue. Here we go. Yeah. Hour number two. The word has been put out to Aaron Fitt. He couldn't do the next hour, which is not, yeah, no, no surprise. On. But I did ask him uh, anytime this week. Okay. And he will come through. He always does. Um, What's this with Bob, Bob Keith? Bob yeah. writes in. This is interesting. He says Seattle's head coach and Oregon head coach assisting the three members of the NCAA selection committee. D1 baseball's Mike Farron, or Fern, I don't know of that uh, name. Uh, when he talked with NCAA some, uh, Selection Committee Chair John Cohen. Now, this is the chair of the Selection Committee. Th- this is what I'm trying to get at here. Are you about to quote the chair yes. of the Selection Committee? Yes. Okay, let's keep going. Keep going, please. What do you got? Cohen admitted, per Bob Keith's text, <laughs> quote, I just don't get to see any West Coast baseball games. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> How can you and that's chair, the chair a committee, the committee and admit okay, openly well, you don't know anything okay. about half the field or, or okay. a third of the field? <laughs> well, that's amazing it, to me. It is, but it also, it, it doesn't mean that come, he's the chair of the committee, but he has his, his spies and his people out there. He has his Lindsay Megs. He has people out there in certain regions and districts mm-hmm. that do 
and report to him and report as part of the committee. He's just the chair, so I'm not going to – John Cohen himself was a great head baseball coach for many, many years, and I'm surprised that he would say that because I know that I – every time I walk in, and you've seen this too, and you've gone in to do pregame shows, you walk into Beaver baseball offices in the Jacoby Ellsbury Clubhouse. You go into the coaches' offices – on a Saturday morning, a Sunday morning, or whatever, getting ready for a game later that day. SEC baseball is on. I guarantee it. It's on, yeah, and guys yeah. are watching games and commenting on the games. Coaches are Darwin Barney's there. Gippy's there. Rich Dorman, others, Mitch, are watching a little. Ooh, look at that. Oh, that's a good slider. Well, you know, I mean, they're just they're watching SEC baseball. That's right. Now, well, a lot of that has to do with the time The zone. time frame, that's true. But so with Cohen... It's quite possible, and the people in that part of the world, due to lack of access, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the times. I I don't blame. I think Cohen's being honest. I don't say, oh, that that that's what we're up against. I mean, that, that's partly why there are rep, regional representatives. Yeah, yeah, I get it, and yeah. it's, and it's okay too to have people to be a leader of something and have others do the hard work for you and bring it to you. The question, though, the problem becomes when, if and when, and how much participation Cohen would have. How much of a say does he have in making certain draws? Because if he's going to make say yes or no on everything, then he can't do that. He has to know more about each and every team in the West. He just has to. But if he's just more there to be a facilitator right. and say to a committee, "Is you, you all feel good about this? And mm-hmm. you've got three or four guys that are coaches in the region say, yes, yes, we all feel good about this, then Cohen could be a guy who doesn't know much who can say, okay, you, uh, all right, you sign off on it, great, I will too. And that, yeah, exactly. That's and that's where, and that's where, who knows, if a chair, I don't know all the machinations of the 2016 selection committee, but I do know, I've heard reports through the years that there have been enough that people have said it was one of the grave injustices in terms of what was going on in the room about lack of representation for a certain coach's own conference, mm-hmm. conference member, it's just a travesty yeah. that the 16 team did not get into the tournament. That's why in 17, the Beavers came back with a little bit of, eh, little okay, bit of here we go. And in the summer of 17, we did a remote at a restaurant in downtown Corvallis. It would be the spring of, yeah, it was, was before it the 17 summer. season had started. It was. Yeah. It was in the off season. And, they coaches Pat and and maybe Nate Yeske. Yes, it was Nate referring to some movie Tombstone, saying something about hell hath no fury. We're or coming after you. Something to the effect, and I don't remember the line. We're going to go to Dave yeah. in a second, but, but I'm glad being, you brought that up. Something about we're done it. We're coming, and hell's coming with us. Yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like that. That's right. how the Beavers took the snub from 16 with them and fueled the, them and the energized them. You're right in the offseason. And then that was my first year, and I just remember. They were so pumped up right. that that when they lost to Ohio State in just a routine game in the tournament, third or fourth game in, they literally had a closed-door players-only meeting. Mm-hmm. Like, this ain't happening again. No, and it was a routine loss <laughs> to a pretty good Big Ten team. <laughs> and and they, this doesn't happen again. Whoa, okay. And they rattle off 23 straight twice. The whole Caden Grenier doctrine, remember what the Grenier doctrine was? His mother asked, yeah. hey, you guys ever going to lose? And Caden Grenier to his mother. Well, yeah, we're, we'll lose a game again 
we are going to lose probably. <laughs> you know, we'll lose a game again, but not today. <laughs> but not today. That's right. Kept, but not today. And so two different times, 23 consecutive wins. That's why the other day at UCLA, I was sort of saying, well, you know, in that 2017 season, one of their losses was here. <laughs> yeah. You can count on one hand, and yes. you could be three-fingered Mordecai Brown and do it, too, <laughs> yeah. on the number of losses within the Pac-12 conference in 2017. And one was at Jackie Robinson Stadium. The other was at Washington. I know. I know. And the only home loss, I'll let somebody guess that. Somebody, In fact, let's do a forks and corks just for the fun of it. You yeah. can get it. Uh, who just humor us? Yeah. Who was the home game? You can look it up, and it'll all be over. But try, try not to. Try doing it right. Just now. Just try doing it right now. I wish we had prizes loss, to give away. One home loss. The oh, one yeah. home loss in conference in seventeen was to be the first, and that means you're not looking it up on the Forks and Corks catering uh, text line four nine seven fifty three fifty six. Brought to you by two, Forks two, and Corks. Two, two qu- guesses are in. USC, and another one said, was it Portland? Oh, it's a conference. See, we're talking conference, conference losses, although the other losses that year, who would they be to? Ohio State would have been one. Ohio State. Then you've got the three conference losses is four, and then two to LSU. Is that it? Because <coughs> you went 56-6. and six. Right. What were the four losses? Ohio State. Um, the at, three conference at losses. Washington. And then uh, the other two. What were the other two conference mm-hmm. losses? Washington, UCLA at Jackie Robinson Stadium, and I'll just say the first texter on the yeah. Forks and Corks question was right. USC, USC right. here, that the was... only home loss. So there's your four, and you lost two in <coughs> Omaha. Yeah, That's just incredible. We just counted up the Beavers' losses from one season. That's it. And what is the line from Tombstone? Nate seemed to think it was a famous one, Coach Yeski. We're something about, yeah, you guys know we're coming and hell's coming with us or something yeah, yeah, like that. that. I, but I like early. the movie, but it, I don't know the line. No, and, and like you said, it was either late spring or early summer because when we did that remote, which was far removed from right. the, the following baseball season. Right. And they kept that. They kept that through workouts in the fall. They kept that through that. I mean, they never really talked about it. I know. I asked uh, Pat once, I think, in one of the pregame shows, and he, he kind of hmm. dismissed it and says, no, we're, we're doing what we're doing now. And, you know, kind of lay to rest. Yeah, in other words, any revenge thing. Right, right. But I think it was still in their hearts and minds. It, it was, and it fueled them. I mean, there's no question. You take, you take fuel where you can get it. I got the guts, but the guts need fuel. And Mickey Rourke and Barfly. <laughs> and he's right. So whatever, you know, you already got the guts and the tenacity and the grip. But sometimes the guts need fuel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was talking about needing a sandwich deep before he got into a little fisticuff in the back alley. <laughs> but... Good film, by the way. Very funny, highly entertaining film, Barfly. The guts need fuel. They were fueled by the snub. No question about it. And and that was, again, the regional representative did not do well by the Beavers in that situation. You know situation. what I didn't know, not to completely change yeah. things, but I didn't realize until last week in a game story or story that Oregon State women's golf was lucky to get in. Barely in, a la 07. Eh? <laughs> before, they, before they went and tore it up and mm-hmm. won the regional as they head down to... to They're leaving, in now. fact, today in about 15 minutes in uh, Parker Plaza. I believe there's a send-off for Don nice. Shockley's team. Congratulations to them. Let's go to Dave on the Downward Dog phone line. Hello, Dave. I, I did text in, and I was, I was just uh, 
I guess my question with the whole idea of hosting is, is the, will, will the committee look at, at, a, at the host sites on a map and say, God, we'd like to really have somebody else on the West Coast or out West? Because right now, I, I think Stanford's the only one, like west of the Mississippi, that would be a for sure in. And, and that doesn't do much to promote, you know, baseball mm-hmm. all the way across America. So I, I don't know if that's even a consideration, but I would think if it is, and if they did, if they did say, "Gosh, we don't we'd like one more team out west," mm-hmm. it, it would have to be the Beavers. And Corvallis has been such a great host site in the past that they, yeah. that would be a, yeah. a, a a no-brainer at that point where 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 that would be the case. My, I guess my question with that is, you know, you end up as a, a 15, 16 seed, right, as as a host site, and uh, and you're immediately turning right back around and going to you know, facing number one or two team on the East coast. So uh, I, I don't know, I don't know which, which you like better, you know, a better seed, um, you know, pass to Omaha or hosting. I think you want to host. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you would prefer to be a host site in the first round. It doesn't guarantee things. The Beavers have experienced twice hosting and getting knocked out of their own regional. That's happened twice to great pain to all of us. Yes. But, uh, yeah, you still want to host. And, you know, you also put yourself in a path, if an upset occurs in another regional, then you could be hosting the Supers, too. I mean, just depending on how things play out. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like the attitude towards it, and I like the idea that, that and, and I and I do hope that maybe the committee doesn't look at it that way and say, yeah, we're, we don't want to have 15 host sites. And, and by the way, like five of them would be in the Carolinas. Right. Which would be, mm-hmm. you know, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, or are they just going to look at the numbers and say, yeah, the teams are the teams and the numbers are the numbers. And, and that's crazy. Um, if, if that's the only thing that, right. that they look at, if they don't look at it more as, you know, let's spread it out a little bit mm-hmm. across. The that's country. a good and, point, Dave. And I do think all things being equal, which they aren't, but if they kind of are approaching it, then that geographical, uh, breadth, I think it would Again, all things being well, we can do here or here. Well, man, we need we're really light on the West. Look at this map, as you're pointing out. We need another host site in the West, and Oregon State's the best choice. Let's go. You know, I mean, it it could kind of play into that, yeah. and I think you're right to bring that up. I think that's a good point, especially at a number ten ranking in right. one of the polls. I mean, they they could throw out the RPI and say, look, it's number ten team in one of the polls. Yep, they should absolutely be hosting. So. So that that's going to do well for for that op- opportunity. So yeah, uh, good to hear from you, Dave. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, anything else? Thanks. Okay, yeah, great to hear from you. Four nine seven fifty three fifty six is the downward dog phone line. Our thanks to Forks and Corks for providing an opening for USC to be answered. Twenty seven and three, <laughs> but not today. What unbelievable experiences! Now, I'd love to get some thoughts about the series itself. Your observations about the team and where they are. Did any of you follow Grace Featherstone's double this weekend and the steeplechase and the 5,000 yesterday? What a great accomplishment in Oregon State Athletics history. So if you want to jump in on that, just, you know, getting kind of, oh, my gosh, this is happening. I'm going to watch. Did you watch your watch your 5,000? Was it available to stream or watch? Did any of you do it? And speaking of streaming and watching, how were JB and Ben 
I'll tell you one of my favorite moments in the 21-5 win. Yes, bunt singles abounding, grand slam by Bazana. The Beavers scoring nine on UCLA. To answer the nine, UCLA once scored on the Beavers not too long ago. <laughs> it was nice to see it work the other way. But how were the, the games to watch and unfold and moments and calls and strike zones, et cetera? I don't know if JB and Ben took any of that up there. They have to be neutral right down the middle and not necessarily quibble with officials, but uh, with umpires. But Carl Mazdam told me that the, the, he just was pleased because he heard me getting agitated about the count being one and two or oh and two, not two. Uh, and Ryan Gibson counts two and one, right? The counts two and one when the umpire was putting up one and two. And no, no, it's one and two, and we were all trying to figure out how could it be? Where was the other strike? You know, where was the other strike? Well, the strike was on the first pitch, which I said, I'm sure live in the play-by-play, you know, the pitch to Casper high and inside, uh, Perry throws down to first, and Bazana gets, you know, whoever gets back safely. McDowell gets back safely. The count 1-0 and to Brady Casper without even... Confirming, there's certain pitches and things in life that you don't have. Well, it was just within the flow of life. Yeah. The pitch to Casper high and inside. Perry throws down to first, and McDowell gets back safely. Boy, Perry's quick back of the plate. Got that great arm and really quick. And McDowell had to scamper back. One and zero to Brady Casper, and I proceeded in my existence, in my life, <laughs> on the basis of a one and zero count. Then the next pitch is foul back or whatever, and then the next. And then the next pitch is ball two. Now it's two and one, but the umpire puts up one and two. And Gippy in the third base box is going, well, well, no, he came running down. No, it's two and one, right? Two yeah. and one. Gippy's yelling from third. And, I, and, and I'm and i saying, wait a minute, what do you mean one and two? Where, where'd the other strike come from? That's how bad that call was. <laughs> That's amazing. Because And so the Pac-12 networks, according to... Carl Mazdam, thank you, Carl, that they, they had on they the had graphic immediately one and oh, one, one, two and one, and then had to flip it around when they saw the umpire go one, two. Wow. That's how bad it was. That's bad. So if you have any thoughts about that, what about the home run call? John John Vaughn's on the two-run home run. UCLA won the opener, and they won at fair and square. I mean, they had a big night offensively, but it was 6-5 when he hits one out. Mm-hmm. Supposedly. I wondered what I didn't see or what Ben Francisco and J.B., Long, outstanding broadcasters, a love JB. Did they say anything about it? Did they give you any of the, you know, or any of the uh, other sources you watch say anything about, well, it's hard to tell, or the angle's not definitive, and the call on the field's home run, or do they, oh, that looks foul to me, or, oh, John John Vaughn's hit the ball, started to run up the line, and stopped and turned around to come back before the umpire signaled fair. So Vaughn's thought, the guy that hit it thought it was foul. Any thoughts on that in life? One and oh, two and oh. It counts two and one. And no, it's one and two. How? <laughs> I, I almost fell over when I realized that he had called that first pitch a strike. I, I, just, I mean, so, well, it, it's not possible. The count's one and oh, period. Four nine seven fifty three fifty six. Now, our friend Lee, I don't think he was at uh, Jackie Robinson. I think you would have come up and said hello. Andy Ungerer was there, Lee Howard, but you weren't. Were you welcome to the Joe Beaver Show? Oh, no. Hi, 
Hello there, John. Hello there, Michael. Hey, Lee. And hello, and hello TJ. Back in the back room. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I wasn't down there, but Andy was down. Um, I know, don't know if he went to all the games, but he, I know he was there for at least the first one. Right. I haven't talked talk to him very much. But uh, as the Oracle uh, Tumwater has given you the report today, by the way, I was the one who named him that, uh, <laughs> when Dave gave that report about the uh, the solar eclipse coming up on the 14th of October, mm-hmm. that also happens at the UCLA game, happens to be homecoming. Mm-hmm. It also happens to be my 50th. Oh, and ooh. so I will be there for my Golden Jubilee. Nice in Corvallis to see the game and looking really forward to, especially the solar eclipse. I, I kick myself for not coming to Corvallis when we had that total solar mm-hmm. eclipse. Yeah. And Andy invited me up and I just never came. And I, you know, I thought it was the opportunity of a lifetime. Yes. Because as, as my 50th reunion is coming up, I don't have a whole lot of lifetime left. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I also wanted to remind you of another game in the spring, uh, excuse me, in the fall, that normally the weather would be gorgeous in Corvallis, and it wasn't. This is an early game in the middle of September in 19, or 20, 2004. My daughter was an incoming freshman at Oregon State, and she was going to come a week early, and they, you know, they'd go off to camping and all the, you know, the college experience, which was a lot cooler than they did it back in 1969. So anyway, we get there for this whole thing, and we were playing, I believe it was New Mexico, and it was a frickin' downpour. It was pouring. It was cold. Mm-hmm. And it was like September 15th. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, you know, yes, well, I'm back in Oregon. And the one thing I thought was interesting, I never went into uh, to uh, Reeser because it was raining so hard, and my, uh, I was with my former wife, who wouldn't go. And uh, so I was over at Alumni Center, and as the game went on, more and more guys and gals came over from Reeser to get out of the pouring and driving rain. And I, and I sensed something that I hadn't sensed since my college days, and that was the smell of wet clothing in a room. <laughs> when people were coming in, were all drenched. It was yep. like, God, it's like being in a classroom at the next <laughs> hall back in 19... 19- Seventy-one. Yep, yep. And I said, ah, "This is Oregon. This is the smells I remember that." And walking around campus and smelling the, the, <laughs> the wet leaves. Yep. And uh, but anyway, those were those were that was a memory of just a terrible. And we won't we beat New Mexico barely, uh, but we did beat them that day, which I watched on the screen at the alumni center. Lee, it is good. I'm glad you're going to get a chance to to. It's not quite the path of totality as we had in 2017, but it sounds like it's going to be very uh, memorable and amazing and close. 90% is pretty darn close, if that's indeed what it is. I've not done any studying on this thing yet at all, but it sounds like you need to be up here and you're going to be, and let's hope for better weather than what you experienced on that day. Back in, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all we needed yeah. to have it all cloudy. I know. <laughs> I know. Lee, good to hear from you. Let's talk again soon. Thank you for the call. We need to break on that note. Salgado's catch out in oh. uh, center field was uh, that was one of the highlights I saw from uh, on a t- on Twitter from uh, from Bazana 
from Pac-12 Network. Oh, okay, but Travis Bazzana <laughs> retweeted it or whatever else, and Bazzana tweeted. That must be why. Bazzana said, yeah. "That is the best catch I've seen in person in my life." Yeah, that was pretty amazing. It was a great catch, yeah. Max Gordon-esque. I mean, it it was a tremendous catch. It took two RBIs away from Guerra yeah. and prevented the Beavers from really, uh, you know, blowing a game open, which they eventually did. Mm-hmm. But still, it was a tremendous catch. By A.J. Salgado. And Bazzana taking time to acknowledge it. And I spend a lot of time on the air saying that is just a (laughs) flat-out spectacular catch. What are you going to do? Any thoughts on anything over the weekend? What's ahead? 497-5356, the Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line, the Forks and Corks catering question. You got right quickly. USC, the lone home loss in conference. And, in fact... The lone home loss in 17. I don't think the Beavers lost anybody else at home. It wouldn't have. LSU, Washington, you know, that was the only home loss in 17, I think. Said they lost to Ohio State, two to LSU. That gets you to three. And then uh, then four, and then five and six. Washington, UCLA, and USC. UCLA on the road, Washington on the road. The only home loss. One home loss in 17. That team was... Unbelievable. Let's break. We come back. 1240 Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Thanks for joining us. Gorgeous Monday. How did you all do? My family spent the day on the river. Most of the day, Mother's Day yesterday. Well, I was cold in Los Angeles. Uh, How did you guys all deal with it? Anybody get on the river or a lake and get out? I mean, early. Water's got to be chilly, cold everywhere. Too high, maybe. Too cold. But... Did you all enjoy and find ways to deal with the heat? Let's go to Ken on the Downward Dog phone line. Thank you, Ken. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Well, thanks, Mike. Just real quick, I can't believe you're saying you're cold in L.A., man. You were from there. That's warm weather for up here. You can't be complaining when it's 60 degrees outside. That's number one. <laughs> okay. Uh, number two, real quick, did you – I was watching the game on TV. Had you, uh, you know, the radio simulcast, your radio, and I saw that they had went to – the UCLA head coach to interview him. So I switched over. And I don't know if you, anybody's told you this, but he, they were asking him, how do you get Bazana out? And he made the comment that, well, he's the best player in the country right now. Oh, did he? I thought, I thought yes, he did. And okay. I said, whoa, pretty strong language from an opposing coach. Of course, Bazana's beating him up all weekend, so I thought that was interesting. But he did say that. So I thought he'd like to hear that. And then number two, you were telling a story during the game. I think he glanced over one of the best plays I've seen all year. Um, Bazana was basically playing to the left of second base in the shortstop position. Guy hits a ground ball to basically straightaway second base. He shifted over full speed, gloves the ball, throws off balance, mm-hmm. flicks the ball to first and gets the guy. That is next to the third base on a bunt, one-handed play. Yeah. That has got to be one of the toughest plays in baseball. And it was just effortless. His, his defense has really come a long way. So I just thought I'd mention that. Thank you for that, Ken. You're right on all counts, particularly being cold in L.A. Never should say it, but I was. I, I'm just <laughs> telling the truth. But, hey, you know, I, I will, and thank you for the call, uh, Ken. We appreciate it. I will say this about that. I think, was that a Nixonism? Robert Hirsch, are you listening? I don't remember. Oh, no, or, or Hubert Humphrey. Maybe Hubert Humphrey. Brooks? I was only 10. Maybe I'm thinking of the... Or G. Gordon Liddy. I'll say this about that. Did, did, did he use that locution? 
Let me say this about that. That could be a Humphreyism from, I'm just remembering the copycat, the Dick, the uh, Rich Littles, the <laughs> Fry, David Fry's of the world imitating these people all the time. And somehow, let me say this about that. I remember that was somebody saying. But let me say this about that <laughs> with apologies to either Humphrey or Nixon. I think Humphrey, perhaps. But John Savage being asked in that context about Bazzano, it's not unprecedented that he would go to, he's the best there is, because, and he may be right, mm -hmm. the best player in the country right now, whatever. Bazzano's on an amazing role with the defense that Ken just alluded to, the power, the bunts the leadership, the still stolen bases. It's, mm -hmm. He really is yeah. playing tremendous baseball right now. Maybe as good as anyone in the country. Who knows? I, I don't, I never see any of those East Coast. <laughs> okay. But, okay. Commissioner. Okay. John Cohen. Okay. Head of the committee. Mr. Committee head. Ryan Sandberg in a game. And some of you may remember Whitey after this. Ryan Sandberg in the 84 season, and I think Ryan did win the MVP that year, the year of the Cubs, the year you yeah. fell in love yeah. with Steve Stone. Well, Harry. The <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Harry, he's very straightforward. Yeah. Harry is just. Uh, 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 well, Harry, you know, he kind of, well, Jimmy Wilson to yeah. me sometimes. Yeah, just, when I'm just, I can't believe that call. They, they call pass interference on Alex Austin. He was nowhere near the receiver, and the penalty is going to mean a first down. For, uh, 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 well, Mike Austin's coverage was actually, <laughs> you're right, it was pretty good. Steve Stone's delivery, though, was flat every time he spoke. And then, and that's how the Cubs can get that done. It, that we is were, so true. We were, I was visiting yeah. family in Salem yesterday. We watched Major League. I hadn't seen it in years. It's fun to watch. That would be a Harry Doyle type yeah. of thing. He ain't the best color analyst yeah, for in nothing. baseball for nothing. <laughs> so. After that, there was a game where Sandberg, I think, was a national game of the week, Cubs-Cardinals. Sandberg hit like a, a three-run homer to tie with two outs in the bottom of the ninth to send it to extra innings, and then in the bottom of the 11th hit a two-run homer to win it or something like that. And had yeah. six or seven RBS. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know the exact details of the story, but you could look up Sandberg hits homers, Cubs beat Cardinals 1984. And it'll probably come up just yeah. through a quick search with that information. That's enough to get to yeah. what I'm talking about. After the game, Whitey Herzog. Ryan Sandberg's the best baseball player I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, now, Whitey. Gamesmanship? Play, yeah, well, upset, frustrated. It's a little, it's a similar to Tommy Lasorda once being asked memorably. In fact, you should have the sanitized version of it when we come out of our next break. Play it. It's it's a classic sort of underground. The unexpurgated version is better, even though the the one that gets played on the airwaves is entertaining in its own right. You What's the question? <laughs> Paul Olden, O L D E N, asks Tommy Lasorda what he thought of Dave Kingman's performance. 1979, Kingman hit three homers in a game against the Dodgers, and the Cubs beat the Dodgers, and Kingman hit three. And after the game, after the reporters were asking various questions, Paul Olden, his first day on the job, his first day as a reporter for a radio station in L.A., Paul went on, went on to have a tremendous career. 
in fact, became a play-by-play voice of the Cleveland Indians, was very well-liked and was very good. I met him in the Pacific Coast League many years ago. So you're laughing already. Does something immediately come up, John? Well, I haven't found yeah. it yet, but I'm laughing because here I'm reading all these yeah. titles, like uh, Tommy Lasorda, upset about <laughs> question about Burt Bavacqua. Yeah, yeah, Kurt Bavacqua, yes, yeah. yeah. Tommy Lasorda tells Korean fan to go back to where he's from. Ooh, okay, I know, Tommy. I know, okay. you can't do that. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. I haven't gotten it to it yet. I've seen so many Lasorda Okay, well, stuff. let's find it during the break. and just I the, have found it, but it's oh, uncensored. Oh, oh, it's the unedited version? Yeah. Well, you and I will chuckle during the break then and listen to it. There's got to be an edited version with the bleeps put in. What does NSFW language mean? Because it says Tommy Lasorda... And Doug Rouse mouth oh, visit gosh, to nineteen seventy seven World Series, and then in parentheses NSFW, NSFW language. Not I don't know what that means. Not, not yeah, for, I, I think that. I mean, I think you're right. It's not suitable. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I know along this clip. I've seen this clip. That's a classic times. clip too. When it's the best. It is one of the best ever. And you don't know is it is it to give time to the guy to warm up is a little it staged? bit staged is no it... no it's not staged and that's why Davy Lopes has to come in at the end of it hey what are you guys yelling settle yeah. this back in the clubhouse with the dugout this ain't the place to be talking about it Tommy says well you're right about that can you imagine him <laughs> he kept talking it going to me as like long that? as he could I mean it was unbelievable he just kept it going but the was... what I'm getting at is Savage being asked about Bazana is. Whitey Herzog being asked about another second baseman by the name of Ryan Sandberg in a similar context, and Paul Olden querying Tommy about what he thought of Kingman's performance. We'll try to find an edited version of that when we come back, but thank you, Ken, for putting us on that track. I didn't know Savage said it. What else occurred to you watching the games over the weekend, the broadcasts, uh, what, what you saw unfold and I'm curious, I really am, if, if any of you, did did JB or Ben Francisco, did they weigh in on the John John Vaughn's home run, fair or foul, foul or fair, fair is foul and foul is fair? It's hard to know, but did they weigh in on it? 497-5356. Let's take a break. We'll research Lasorda and try to get the version we can play with George Carlin's permission on 1240 Joe Radio. Give us just a few basic comments about your feelings on the game. All right. Well, naturally, I feel bad about losing a ball game like that. There's, uh, there's no way you should lose that ball game, and that uh, just doesn't make sense. What's your opinion of Kingman's performance? What's my opinion of Kingman's performance? What the f- you think is my opinion of it? I think it was. F- put that in. I don't f- opinion of his performance. He beat us with three home runs. What the f- can you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of of his performance? He hit three home runs. I'm off to lose the game, and you ask me my opinion of his performance. me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I asked it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? You just did. That's right. Okay. That made me nervous. That's close. I know. It makes you nervous. I didn't like that. And you don't have to... 
I mean, the bleeps are there, but <laughs> the problem with the bleeps is you hear the <laughs> almost first the beginning letter. I know of the swear. I words. know, and, and that's <laughs> the that's the bluest we've ever been on the Joe Beaver and I, show. I'm not but, a prude, but I don't no, get in trouble. I, I, I know. But I could wa- watch and listen to Tommy Lasorda rant and swear. There are many. All day just long. for just for this for those of you who I mean, there are unedited versions on the air yeah. that you don't need to yeah. use your imagination too much <laughs> to know what he's saying. But there are some some beauties from Tommy with respect to questions and the whole Doug Rao on the mound. Just put that in. Lasorda visits Doug the, Rao during who the was World the Series. Paul Olden, as I was oh, yeah, mentioning, yeah, who yeah, became yeah. a Tremendous broadcaster on his own, but that was his first day as a, a radio reporter. Oh. And what what's funny, and I've heard in the the unedited version of it, the underground tapes, the Tommy Lasorda underground tapes, and everything's <laughs> now above ground with YouTube and all of that. But yeah. I mean, you can find all the versions. But Tommy was into the. You almost hear in the background if you listen real closely, other reporters chuckling. Yeah. while Tommy's giving the answer. Yeah. And then T.J. Simers, the longtime curmudgeonly columnist who wrote a lot of great columns through the years in the L.A. Times, T.J. was covering the game. And near the end, later in the rant, as he kind of goes off again about, you asked me his opinion of his performance, and I, and he gets kind of worked up again. Yeah. And you hear people kind of chuckling. And then T.J. Simers says, Tommy, I got to go. You know, I'll see you. He'd been in the, in the room, too. And Tommy, in the midst of you asked me that kind of question about his performance, and I'm mad losing that game like that. And then he, and then uh, Tommy, I got to go. Oh, hey, good to see. You. I'll see you, TJ. Bye. <laughs> anyway, I and just goes off again. Yeah, he's so, performing. Yes, it's, a, of it's theater. He, that's I loved him. <laughs> Saw him at Disneyland once now, with his grandkids. He may the initial question probably did bother him. Yeah, yeah. My, what's my opinion of his performance? <laughs> but then once he got into his his act, and he, his probably stick, knew, he played it out. He probably knew right then, ooh, I have yeah. an opportunity here. <laughs> that poor joker who asked the question, Paul Olden. But but you almost hear Paul kind of, well, I asked you and you gave me an answer. He, he didn't Paul seem himself rattled didn't by back it. off. No. no, he wasn't rattled. Would it help? He did he was not rattled by no, that at all. But I enjoy that. I like listening to Lasorda and the better, the even the better, ver- the better one is he and Doug Rao on the mound in the World Series when Rao's saying, "I feel good, Tommy." You know, that some sort of boom mic or Tommy had been mic'd up yeah. or something, yeah. and didn't his mic is on? A la Leslie Nielsen, naked gun. The mic is still on. He go- anyway, he's <laughs> out there. <laughs> And Tommy goes out, Rao's giving up two or three straight hits in the World Series. Yeah. And so he's going out, and even you hear him say, hey, I'm going to go out and stall for some time. So that's where right. you get to the right. stall thing. And then when I give you the signal, you tell, I'll look in, you tell me when they're ready, and then we'll make the move. You know, the, yeah. you hear me say Rich Dorman out to buy time, mm-hmm. or he's out mm-hmm. to challenge somebody, or he may or may not go back with him. But part of what he's doing now is to buy time for the next guy up right. to get ready. And Tommy was essentially telling Red Adams, his coach in the dugout, that's what I'm going to do. So I'll look back at you. You give me a signal when, when we got a guy ready. Now, the same hats come off in the bullpen saying, hey, the guy's ready, whatever, yeah. the universal signal of readiness. But when Tommy got out there, what he wasn't expecting was Doug Rao to say to him and argue to stay in the game. <laughs> and Rao, I feel good, Tommy, you hear in the background. <laughs> and that's it. I don't give a rip that you yeah. feel good. 
you just gave up, and he starts talking about all the bad things that Doug Rowe yeah. had just been doing. But Rowe doesn't back off either, no. which tells me that's the kind of that's why the players loved playing for Tommy <laughs> because they could say anything, he could say anything to them, they could say anything back to him. They argue out there, they argue enough that Lopes comes running in. This isn't the place to do this, and, guys. And Lopes is the player telling the coach. Yeah, yeah Davey's telling the Tommy, settle down, Tommy. We this isn't the place to be. <laughs> settle doing down, this. settle down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and swear words. It's swear great words. theater. It is fantastic. It is. It's fantastic. Uh, earlier in the yeah. show, hey, Mike, don't be afraid to say, remind me of your name. I say that several times a day now. We were talking yeah. earlier about running into people who, you know, know you, know us. I, it happens to me, and it's like, oh, I feel so horrible. I, I want to be able to say I know uh, their name, um, but you just can't. There's so many people. And then I personally feel like I should know because I – Know him from somewhere else, and then I feel bad, and then just kind of generically get through it. So anyway, you can say remind. Thank you. Remind no, I appreciate that, name. and I did do that Again. once this weekend. I did. Uh, TJ had some follow ups. Now we were okay. talking about bunts and home runs. Yes. Uh, let's see. White. Uh, while it's a pretty okay, I read that one mostly because he has the most home runs. Okay, Mickey Mantle did it eight times, bunting for a hit and homering. In the 1956 season, okay. not World Series, but season, in a season he won the Triple Crown, by the way. Yes, he did. I don't remember the batting average, but the numbers. Let me let me see if this is right. TJ confirm. I want to see if baseball card memories hold. 352, 50, and 130. TJ, TJ, is that correct? 353, 52, and 130. Yes or no? 353. 52 and 130 were those the triple crown numbers. If so, they weren't bad. Okay. NSFW, yeah. not safe for work. Okay. So I guess showing people in your cubicle or oh, putting it on the air. Yeah, yeah, right. Not safe for work. Okay, thank you for that. Tommy's last thing we did play was almost not so. A-N-S-W, almost not safe for work. Is that correct? So. Close, so close. So I said three fifty-two, fifty, uh, three fifty-three, yes, fifty-two and one thirty. You got it. I said three fifty-three, fifty-two. I, I took it as three fifty-two, but three fifty-three, fifty-two and one thirty. How good of a year is that? How what, what was oh. his WAR that year? Uh, I did. I didn't write that. I didn't, <laughs> didn't look at it. Just looked at the slash line and sprinting. Okay, that's pretty good. That was a, that's Thank a pretty you. good season. But yeah, you makes, said he's in, a good bunter too. I didn't realize he was that good of a bunter. Oh, great bunter and one of the fast before you know. I mean, his knee, he got hurt in his rookie year when Joe DiMaggio. Sad story, but the pride of the great Joe D. At the last minute, it, called. Mantle was racing in, called Mantle off or whatever. Mickey had to put the brakes on and stepped into a sprinkler head in the 51 World Series, tore up his knee, mainly because he didn't want, I think the, the story goes that he didn't want the kid to show him up and make a catch. And, and so Joe called him off at the last minute. Mickey oh! had to go crashing into, into and fell through the sprinkler head out of Joe's pride to not want the kid to show him up. Oh, mm-hmm. That's horrible. It's a sad thing. Very sad. And Joe's requirement to be introduced as the baseball's greatest living ball player. When he would speak publicly, that was a requirement that Joe D really? put in that he had to be introduced. What kind that of way. mental problems did he yeah, have? I'm not sure about mental that. problems. Babe I'm Ruth just saying that? that he's considered the he. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you, Dominic, Dominic, and P- 
I mean, DiMaggio's a hero to multitudes. And just for that alone, he warrants a great deal of uh, of, of uh, respect, maybe not, even a not what he of, asked for it. Well, I know. And that's it, what it, I'm in said. fact, it takes away all I of his accomplishments. If, when you hear when that, you hear if that. you have to ask for it, is it really true? Well, it's not. You know, as I said, and I will continue to say, so he required that knowing that Willie Mays was still alive? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Mays was greater than DiMaggio. Mays is a greater baseball player yes. than Joe oh, DiMaggio. Yeah. 100%. Period. Yeah, Mickey Mantle that, is better than Joe Mickey DiMaggio. may have been better than Joe, too. Was I'm that so said sure. back then, though, or is that just well, said now? I mean, I, I don't know. All In I'm hindsight saying, of the work, yeah, yeah. The, the, the body of work. Mantle's injuries. And... and didn't take proper care of himself. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask a question. Yeah, How much yeah. do you know of Tommy Lasorda? <laughs> some. Lou Pinella-esque, right? Just Lou's some. got, Lou's got I know, Like, I know, I know his personality. Yeah, have fun and go through some of those videos. Yeah. They're hilarious. Lou's got a few, too, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> Very, uh, a style that's not replicated nowadays. <laughs> no, it you can't You can't just lose a Tuesday night baseball game. Everyone's sitting around in the clubhouse yeah. all quiet. Comes in and kicks the garbage can down. <laughs> the opposite is Scott True. Service, the nicest guy in the world. Nicest, he most never mellow. is mad, even when they're on a five-game losing streak. No, no, very different. <laughs> Which is great, you know. It yeah. makes for an easier room. But uh, some guy, some guy, like because nowadays you just kind of like be like, "What is this guy doing?" Yeah. Like a hey, quick question so, on what is this guy doing? It worries me a little. Your Mariners lit up Matthew Boyd. The they other did, day. yeah. He didn't. Look I good. saw that. He didn't look very good. He was not throwing very many strikes. And then you relayed to me while I began my road trip about Drew the sixty-day yeah. explain. I think you and John probably talked about it. Well, you and I, the three of us, talked about it on Friday. We're building him up. He had a great yeah. outing, and then yeah. TJ. So what? After the show, I go down the hall, and TJ comes back because they yeah, just they put ju- him on the now, 60 so what day what is it that he has the flexor strain so that's right here in your in your arm but it is it's not connect- the elbow it is not technically the elbow but i as i told yeah. you i mentioned to you Robbie Ray when he went on the IL had the same injury and he ended up getting Tommy John surgery it's not it is not 100% but it's like it is all connected okay so how many I, 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 I'm going to ask only because I don't know how many people have had three bunt hits in a grand slam in a game. That's going to be hard to find through history. But do you know, are there, I'm sure there, there probably are, but documented cases of three Tommy John surgeries that people come back from three. And, and the other reason I ask is I'm afraid when I hear this about Drew being on a 60 day and you talk about it being, well, it's all connect. And Robbie Ray had the same injury and then ultimately underwent mm-hmm. Tommy John. Do you feel like, is it possible our dear Drew may be facing it again? Uh, yes, I think it's very possible. Like, the fact that they have to shut him down eight weeks. Right. Just totally shut down is, is very telling. Like, there might there might be some damage there that they're like, mm, I hope this quiets down. Gosh. I would guess. That kid, what? and he had just come off one of his mm-hmm. more dominant performances again. So he's... But something didn't feel quite right. And we keep saying, like, it's easier than ever to come back from Tommy John. It it is. It's easier. It's easier. It's easier. But when you have to go through it three times, like, how does your arm hold up? Like, is he going to come back and throw 98, 95 miles an hour? It's it's a tough ask. Yeah, it is. I would think. Thank you for that, TJ. Thanks for all of the the help, too, on Mantle. So eight times in the 56 Triple Crown year, homered and 
bunted for a hit in the game. Yeah, and there was a couple notes there what I was looking at when they were doing the home run chase in 60 with Roger Maris. He laid down a few too many bunts, took himself out of some opportunities to to catch, uh, catch Maris. Roger Maris. Yeah. Good for Mickey, though. Races average. Team player, though, too. I mean, you know, good for Mickey. I like that. Yeah. Hey, he will, uh, and really well liked by his teammates. We'll see you tomorrow.